0: Good afternoon, UFC fans, and welcome to a UFC 265 edition of the Big Beat Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page, where we've got a lot of content up and coming soon, so can't wait to show it with you. So if you remember a few weeks ago when... Uh, we did a UFC 264 edition. I brought this guy in, so I figured for the next UFC pay-per-view, it'd be at a as a legendary Bruce Buffer, uh, UFC ringside announcer Bruce uh, Martin, Bruce Buffer would say, "It's time." From San Diego, it's uh. In, it's my friend Brian Ackley from the dailyfanmma.com. Brett, are uh, you ready for UFC 265 in Houston?
1: What's going on, man? Yes, I am ready. There's a lot of great fights. We have ourselves an interim championship at the top, some big prizes on DraftKings as Always, so I'm just I'm I'm in the mix of things here, man. I'm getting my breakdowns ready. I'm I'm looking forward to cranking out a bunch of content this week. Should be should be a fun card.
0: Yeah, can't wait can't wait to see what happens this weekend in Houston. Unfortunately, one fight we will not be seeing is uh, arguably not just the best female UFC fighter, but quite possibly the best pound for pound fighter. Going right now, that's Amanda Nunez and uh, Pena. Unfortunately, as most UFC fans know, Nunez tested positive for COVID this past weekend, so she won't be fighting. And uh be honest, I, I think we both knew what Pena would be getting this weekend. it either be a knockout or a submission, right? I do believe
1: so. Yeah, she would have been a very, very big. Fa- I mean, she was a, a heavy favorite, and I think everyone would have been picking her to win. And it's not that it's not that Pena's you know a terrible opponent. She she's skillful. She's coming off a good submission win, but I mean, when you look into the numbers, Pena just you know she lands two point eight strikes per minute. That that's not going to get it done against Nunez. And Pena defends takedowns at twenty three percent, which is uh-huh just awful and so nunez pretty much would have been able to do whatever she wanted i think whether or not it would have been an early finish or a late finish or a decision i'm not totally sure but nunez nunez would have won that fight i'm pretty confident in saying and it's yeah definitely a disappointment that they're not going to be on this card but hopefully uh just will be rebooked to a better card later this year
0: yeah. I, I even, I saw some of the odds and news, even uh, minus 1,000 fame. And I'm like, I'm surprised that was, I'm surprised those odds went higher.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, people probably would have even been parlaying her at that price. It's, it wasn't, you know, 10 to one. So it, once you get up that high, it's just, you're obviously, it's not as much reward for your risk. So there's, People aren't making big, big bets at minus one thousand, but I definitely think that number was correct, if not too low. Like you said, she, I think, I think Nunez wins that fight at a very, very high percentage.
0: Yeah, do you think you? Yeah, speaking of draftings, do you think Nunez would have been uh, how high, how expensive do you think she would have been? Ten K maybe. Um, if I had to guess i would say maybe
1: like 9800 we have gane at 9400 right now and he's only he's pushing minus 400 to win so 96 98 i don't think she would have gotten to 10k it's possible but i think uh mid upper mid 9ks is probably where she would have fallen and i think people would have still rostered her at a high percentage at that price
0: yeah, I'm not sure what Nguyen's ownership would have been in GPPs, but she would have been like 95, 98 percent owner in cash games.
1: Definitely, yeah. I, I, pro, I mean, yeah. Off the top of my head, I would, I would say, you know, 60 percent, low 60% if she was in the, in the upper nines. But like you said, in cash games, in cash games, borderline 100 percent. Everyone would have played her.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we see that fight sooner or later. So now we get to UFC 265, where we've got a an interim heavyweight championship bout between uh, Cyril Gane and Derek Lewis this week. If you look at it, these uh, are two big boys going in the r- in the ring. Gane is a minus 380 favorite, while Lewis is plus 290. Gane has pretty much been unbeatable 9 and 0 in his MMA career while Lewis when I look at it he's he's got some he's got some power but you're going up against the guy not who's not lost in the UFC what happens in the main event
1: I'm de- well I'm definitely picking Serial Gon to win this fight I, I- I think Derek Lewis is a a fun fighter. He's super funny, and he's going to be in front of a crowd that loves him in Houston, Texas. And obviously, you know, we talk about the power all the time with Derek Lewis, and I think he holds the UFC record at heavyweight for most knockouts. One punch can truly change the dynamic of this fight, and you can never count Derek Lewis out of a fight. But with that said, he's just still – extremely limited and he's not going to wrestle. He, he averages half a takedown per 15 minutes. And I would be pretty shocked if he had any wrestling success in this matchup. And otherwise he just, you know, he lands a very low percentage of a very low uh, volume of strikes. He doesn't throw strikes very often and he doesn't have many tools to win rounds. So he's very, very dependent on a knockout and surreal Ghan is nine and oh um he does have flaws in his game but i think he's going to be a future champion and i don't just mean interim champion i mean ufc heavyweight champion i think he has a very good chance of beating francis and ganu if that fight should uh, play out after this one gane is just a he is excellent at Distance management, range management, and it's very difficult to hit him. Um, he's going to be a little bigger than Lewis, too. But yeah, so far, ghanai's landed 5.13 significant strikes per minute, 2.6 absorbed per minute, 63% striking defense. For comparison, Derek Lewis has a 44% striking defense. So basically, I think Ghane is going to just dominate this fight at range. He's going to be very, very cautious. Maybe he doesn't knock Lewis out early and maybe he doesn't, you know, try and wrestle, but I do think he's going to be cruising in this fight until should one big punch land from Lewis, even in Lewis's last fight against Curtis blades who Derek Lewis won that fight by knockout. Very impressively. Um, Curtis blades was beating him up at range for the entire first round. And Derek Lewis only actually landed seven strikes in that fight compared to 28 of, of blades. And Gane is a a much superior striker to Curtis Blades, So I just think this will be a pretty, pretty dominant performance from Gane, with the exception of Derek Lewis is still going to try and wing punches at him and, and, If one lands, there's always that possibility. I don't think it happens at a high rate. I think Gane should be deserved of his heavy betting line, but in the heavyweight division, you never say never, and we've seen Lewis come back many times before. So it's it's a possibility for sure, but I'm expecting a good performance and a win from Gane on Saturday.
0: I would say if if this fight gets past the first, second round, Gane, the frenchman has got a not just big but a strong possibility of winning this bout i think lewis needs this fight early because that because one problem that i've seen with lewis is that he he has tired now true a couple of those, yeah we know what kind of power he brings but vinay has shown in a couple of his fights he can go five rounds and in a And in this interim heavyweight championship bout, you'll need that extra conditioning. And Lewis has not gone five rounds in any any of his fights recently.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's funny because Lewis actually has a fair number of finishes that have come late in fights, round four, round three, round three, um, so he does like that power does translate into l- later rounds however I still think you know Ghana, you know if this fight if, if this fight still is playing out by round three by round four I think Ghana will have racked up a lot of damage and he definitely has better cardio um, than Derek Lewis so I, I, I do agree with you I think the best chance for Lewis to score that big knockout would come early
0: Yeah, instead of seven significant strikes, it might be one. And just the right hand to the jaw, boom, fight over, give me the belt. Or at least the interim belt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, he'll do his gravedigger victory celebration, and then they'll match him up against probably Francis Ngannou. And that'll be – I mean, they've already – to be honest, they've already fought once before, and that was a horrible, horrible fight. But – I still think people would be excited for for a rematch between Derek Lewis and Ngannou should that happen, but um, I think I think Ghana versus Ngannou is the matchup that we'll ultimately see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Derek Lewis beat Ngannou in July of 2018 and only landed 20 significant strikes in that. Yeah, bout he he only scored 38 DraftKings points. I'm like, how the heck do you only <laughs> score 38 points in a win?
1: I think that may be the lowest score in history on DraftKings. <laughs> without joking, I think that I think he holds
0: yet another record. And but yet he got the win, and that's mm. all that matters. I mean, that's all scored. that matters. So uh, now we get to probably the most intriguing fight of the night, and it's the uh, Bannen showdown between. Jose Alto and Pedro Muniz. Obviously, when you think of this, you've got two guys, both of them Brazilian. So, you know, the you will probably be a main factor in this. What do you What do you think happens in the co-main event?
1: Yeah, well, I see. I'm not totally sure. Although, is let's see, how old is Jose Aldo now? They're both thirty-four. Okay, so his his age doesn't, like, show his wear and tear. I mean, he's fought 36 times professionally. He's been fighting professionally since 2004. So he's only 34 years old, but he has a lot of fights under his belt. Um, the way that I look at Aldo now is he's still a dangerous striker. He's still very defensively sound, doesn't ever get out grappled defend strikes really well but it's hard for him to push a pace his durability is is wearing down Um, Pedro Munoz is is opposite in a lot of ways he's super aggressive he throws a ton of strikes um, a very good submission grappler he has one of the best guillotines in the sport but he doesn't have great defense he gets hit 5.87 significant strikes per minute I mean he's fought a, a few of these guys like Aljamain Sterling landed 174 strikes on him in three rounds Frankie Edgar 135 strikes and a couple takedowns the thing is Aldo Aldo cannot push that kind of pace Aldo's coming off a win in which he he landed 44 strikes so I do think Aldo's better technically here. Aldo's a, a more dangerous striker, a more defensively sound striker, probably has more power. He's not going to be out grappled, but there's still ways for him to lose, most notably just by Munoz throwing a ton of strikes and you know making the viewers and the judges Think that he's putting up a higher pace, he's landing more volume. It's as simple as that. So I definitely I, I favor Aldo because of his technique and um, you know his defense. But I'm very interested to see if Munoz can push the kind of pace that will tire Jose Aldo out. I, I don't think Munoz is going to get a finish, but I do think it's possible that he just, like I said, pushes a pace super aggro. Uh, throws a lot of volume, and that's enough to edge out some close rounds.
0: You know, one thing I've seen with Muñoz in the la in five five of his last seven fights have gone to decision. But in the but in a lot of those fights, he's he's not just taking damage, but created a lot of damage. He racked up ninety-four significant strikes against Rivera, one sixty-six against Edgar, one hundred five against Sterling. 117 against John, 69 against Dotson, and of course the two first-round knockouts. So, yes, Aldo may be the more consistent fighter, but again, Munoz brings a lot of energy, and this is a cardio contest. Munoz might have the upper hand.
1: No, no, yeah, I would agree. And you mentioned that fight against Jimmy Rivera where he landed 93 significant strikes. 40 of them were leg strikes. So he had, like, Jose Aldo can throw legs kick leg kicks too, and is very dangerous at it. But he he just doesn't very often. Munoz throws a ton of leg kicks, and that that is not head damage, but that slows fighters down, that hurts fighters. And if he's going to go out there and throw another fifty two leg kicks at Jose Aldo, that could be impactful. I mean, that could definitely slow Aldo down and, and give Munoz an edge in those latter rounds. And I'll be very interested to see who holds the kicking advantage in this fight, because that, I mean, that could be a reason why Munoz wins or loses.
0: Uh, it's just going to be, it's just an intriguing fight. And I think one that could go either way. That's why the odds are so close because it's like, Al- I think Aldo is minus minus one fifteen millions is one of five. So the, Odds makers are seeing it, seeing it as a pretty even fight, so I think it's one that could go either way. We'll just wait and see. Yep. So what other fights are you looking forward to potentially betting or looking at betting this weekend? Um. Well,
1: to be fair, I am still early in my research because it's only Tuesday, but from a... From a fan perspective, and and you know, a fight that I do think could score well on DraftKings, and I've seen a lot of people on this fighter too, Kiesa versus Luque, which is also in the main event uh, main card. I think it's going to be a really fun fight. Luke's is always in really fun fights, and even if they go to decision, um, they're crazy fights. Like the one against Steven Thompson, and he had a fight against Mike Perry that was crazy. But typically, he wins or loses. Inside the distance, and he's going to be a very dangerous striker in this matchup against Kiesa, who I still don't think has much of a striking game. Kiesa only lands 1.8 strikes per minute, um, and is may get damaged and, and finished if the fight plays out on the feet. But Kiesa is an excellent wrestler and grappler, lands 3.6 takedowns per 15 minutes. Luque hasn't really been tested on the ground that much recently i'm looking through his fight history i mean the last time he was really out wrestled was leon edwards in 2017 so it'll be really interesting to see if kiesa can put that style on him um and for the most part Kiesa's done that to the majority of his competition i mean he has losses to anthony pettis and kevin lee but four consecutive wins looked great against neil magny and his first main event, and I think that fight is going to be an absolute banger. I'm really excited for that one. Um, another fight that I'm interested in from the from a DraftKings perspective is the opening fight on the card between Johnny Munoz and Jamie Simmons, who, who are both 0-1 in the UFC. I don't think either fighters like the most talented, but both guys are aggressive grapplers. Um Nunos lost his UFC debut, but he attempted sixteen takedowns in that fight. <laughs> and he's a black belt in jujitsu and now he's fighting an opponent in Simmons who also likes to to wrestle but doesn't have that same level of jujitsu game. So I uh, I think both guys are just gonna basically brawl on the ground. Um, I could see both guys landing some takedowns early, but I think there's a ton of grappling potential in that fight. There's going to be a ton of ground exchanges and I'm expecting Munoz to come out ahead. Cause he really is the better submission grappler there. Simmons. We only saw once in the UFC, he got knocked out by Giga Chikotse, So he's dropping down a weight class. Um, still, I just don't think Simmons is quite ready for the UFC level. And I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen on the ground for Munoz and Look, anyone who can attempt sixteen takedowns in a fifteen-minute fight, I am very interested in that fighter, and I think uh, I think we're going to see a fun, fun grappling fight there to start the card.
0: Yeah, two similar fighters with with similar pedigrees, and plus some a lot of DFS users may not. Be great about using the first fight because you think, oh, if I lose, if this my guy gets knocked out or submitted early, I'm screwed. Well, that's a little bit of counter and I'm thinking I might want to play that. I want to play that fight and get enough out here.
1: Well, exactly, and and you know, like you said, it's the first fight of the card. This is going to be a public card. UFC 265. We're going to see public money come in, and Munoz is priced up there at 9.1k. The- you want to play Munoz who's 0 one in the UFC who's only scored you know 60 points in a loss or do you want to play bigger names like surreal gone and Fizayev who's who seems to be a really fun talent Alonzo Menafield has a lot of knockout power and they're all priced right above him so I think a lot of the public players will just look to the big names which is fine because they have upside too but we know that wrestling and grappling scores very very well on draftkings and i don't think i think muno's ownership is going to be lower than it should be come saturday just based on his upside
0: so now we switch from uh betting the dfs and uh when you look at the uh draftkings pricing uh as you would expect you'll is uh, the most expensive fighter 9400 uh Fiziv Fizlev? Is that is that how Fizayev, yeah. Fiz is second most expensive, ninety three, Menefield ninety two, Munis at ninety one, pay at nine grand, and uh, where are you thinking of spreading the wealth on your DFS lineups? well i think it's that
1: range i mean i think all those the the first four fighters you named i think are going to get a lot of ownership and and are worth targeting because as you drop down in price you know miles john's at 8.9 k isn't very exciting gato at 8.8 torres at 8.7 she's not a typical scorer aldo at 8.6 you know is knockout or bust there so I don't really like this upper 8k range so when I'm when I have the salary I'm going I'm going 9.1k and above and I think Gane an obvious target he's the main event favorite he can land a ton of volume over 25 minutes and he also has a let's see, minus 105 line to win inside the distance. So he very, mel- very well might score a knockout too. So I think Gane is is, is going to rate out among the best overall fighters on this slate. I think he's a great option. He's going to be very popular, but if you have the salary, he's worth paying up for. Um, Menafield and Fizayev right there are more knockout or bust. I would say last I checked, Menafield had the best, finishing line on this entire card um and i see him now at minus 145 on some books so that is a big number Menafield is going to be very very boomer bust meaning if he doesn't get that early knockout he's gonna he's done crush your lineup he's done exactly but a minus 145 inside distance line tells me that he does have a pretty decent chance that early finish so even though he's risky he, he's still worth targeting at that price, and we already talked about Munoz, who's going to be my, you know, sneaky play of this top range. I really like Munoz there at nine point one k.
0: To me, I think I think the fight that could really determine whether you win or lose on Saturday night might be the Kene and Yon, Yodong fight because both of them are equally priced, and I remembered from that from that. Last UFC pay-per-view event where both main event fighters were basically – in the McGregor fight where both fighters were the same price. Like, what I think Conor was 82 and – Yeah,
1: they were both 81 in that fight, yeah. Yeah, both
0: 81. And I think this fight with both fighters being 80 – one being 82 and the other one being eight grand could – Shake line, shake up lines because if you pick the right side of that, you look golden, and if you don't, you might, you might need a few bucks for the next pay per view event.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'll say you know the difference between McGregor and Poirier at eight point one k versus Kenny and Yadong at eight point two and eight is that one of them was uh, one of them was McGregor versus... Poirier, just we know that fight is going to score well. That fight was very, very likely to end with a finish or it, that was, was or five to, rounds.
0: It was gonna be a, it was gonna be a knockout, just didn't know it'd be Connor McGregor's leg knocking himself out, but that's the only
1: right right and so the difference between that fight and this fight i would say is that there's just not as good of a chance for kenny and yadong to score a knockout as there was with mcgregor and poirier i'm looking at the fight right now it's minus 200 to actually go the full 15 minutes it doesn't mean that we won't see a big score from the winner i think kenny has some more wrestling upside in that matchup um i think we could see you know 85 90 points from the winner but I don't think we're as likely to see a quick knockout. The odds just don't tell me that. And Kenny's never been knocked out in his entire career. Um, Yadong's pretty tough as well. So you're right in the sense that there's, you know, the winner will put you in a good spot. I I just don't think there's as much potential with the winner there. If we're comparing it to McGregor and Poirier, just because the odds indicate that that, the fight is pretty likely to go to decision. Is
0: there anybody you would fade on this call?
1: Yes. Um, and, uh, again, I haven't done my full slate of research, but a couple of, you know, fighters I've already mentioned here. I, I Torres at 8.7K. I think she has a relatively high floor in a win, but she's only – Torres is only – Minus one thirty-five to actually win her fight, and it's very, very likely to go to decision. And at eight point seven k, I just don't think she's likely to score ninety-five, 100 in a hundred points, and to win. Angela Hill is pretty tough. The only finish Torres has in her entire career was her most recent fight, but it was a doctor stoppage, so it doesn't really count. And I just, I think she's likely to score in the eighties if she wins, if that. So 8.7K, I don't love Torres' upside. I'm also not going to be playing Jose Aldo, really, because he will not score well unless he wins by knockout. And even if he does win by knockout, we saw a second-round knockout from him against Hinato Moicano, and he only put up 80 points. It's just because he doesn't really wrestle, and he doesn't really throw a ton of volume. So you need an early finish from Jose Aldo. Pedro Munoz, his opponent, we already talked about, has never been finished in his entire career. And another aspect of this that we already talked about as well, it's a public card. So people who don't play DraftKings often, they come in, they say, oh, Jose Aldo, I know who that fighter is. He's great. I'm going to play him. So his ownership, I think, is going to be higher than what it should be for his actual chances to win by quick knockout.
0: Could Taurus be a better cash game play?
1: Yes, though I wouldn't prioritize her because she's only minus 135 to win. And I actually like the other side of that in cash games because you look at Angela Hill at 7.5K. It again, lets you, it, same- lets
0: you play, it lets you play the nee uh, and the uh, you need that cheap value at 7.5 or whatever. Well, right. And,
1: and Angela Hill is only plus 110, plus 115 to win. So she's actually pretty likely to win compared to her 7.5K betting line. And you're very, very likely to get three rounds from her. So, you know, is she guaranteed a smash? No, but you're getting three rounds of a very close fight for 7.5K. That is, that's the kind of fighter that
0: I would look toward in cash games. Somebody, somebody wants a bet, bet for UFC two sixty five on the phone. Of course. <laughs> so now, yeah. I figured we end this episode with a hashtag trivia Tuesday segment. Houston's been a destination for at least for at least three UFC pay per view events. Uh, Brett, uh, do you remember the first UFC pay per view event in Houston?
1: I don't remember it because I'm terrible with with uh names of cities and my you know I only have so many I only have so much memory space in my head and after one fight ends I'm like okay I gotta reset this memory bank of mine and move on to the next week so to answer your question no I do not remember what what the first uh fight in houston was
0: well well you remember the main of who was in the main event of that ufc 69 april 2007 involved a famous ufc fighter
1: so uh, so is this gsp versus uh matt sarah yeah when matt sarah knocked out gsp there you go. That's uh, yeah, a little, a little. Befo- don't think DraftKings existed then, but now that you mention it, I it does, co- it does bring back memories.
0: I don't, th- I don't think the I- I'm not sure if the iPads existed back in two thousand seven. I think Facebook had <laughs> been in, in its infancy. I don't think Zoom was available then either.
1: No, I don't think so either. And then gambling was certainly frowned upon.
0: Y- yeah. Look at how times had changed, and then the other UFC pay-per-view events in Houston, were one UFC 192 involving Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafsson, and the recent 262 in May between uh, Olive, Oliveira and uh, Chandler. Yep, and that was that was uh,
1: very recently, and that was a great fight. And, you know, it's funny is you, you mentioned the GSP Matt Serra because that was. Uh, off the, um, that was off the Ultimate Fighter, where Matt Serra won the Ultimate Fighter, right? And then was able to challenge GSP for the title. That was, if you said that was 2007, that's something that still exists. The Ultimate Fighter, we're now on season 29 and, and counting. I don't know if you're watching much of uh, the Ultimate Fighter these days, but that seems to never end.
0: Yeah, and seeing all these young UFC prodigies coming into the ring... Yes, sir. Just shows how times have changed, but yet some things cha- While well, some things changed, some things stayed the same in the world of equality.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yep.
0: So thanks for hopping on, Brett. And uh, hopefully this week goes well for uh, your DFS be- players and betting code. Hopefully so, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.